G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Church. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is entitled, God is a Gardener, and it's celebrating Pentecost, the day when Jesus sent down his Holy Spirit on his church. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The first reading this morning from the book of Acts, chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Potamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hear the word of the Lord. Holy Spirit, sanctifier, open our hearts to hear your word and open our lives to apply it every single day. Amen. Well, I'd like to start this morning by asking you a question. Are you a gardener? While it might be a controversial idea, I'd like to put forward the thesis that God is a gardener. God plants and waters, God pulls up, and God brings life and beauty where there's none. As we celebrate Pentecost and the power of the Holy Spirit today, I'd like to walk us through the Bible and explore the creative movement of God the Holy Spirit and see where Pentecost fits and where we fit in God's good gardening plan. 
So let's look at the scene of the crime. Right from the beginning of the Bible, we see God as gardener. In Genesis 1, we read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Here we see God creating the world from nothing by the power of His Word and His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is right there from the beginning of time, tending and creating. The pinnacle of God's creation is human beings. Woman and man, He creates them in His image. God plants a garden where Adam and Eve can live out their days in full relationship with God, walking and talking with Him, and assisting Him in caring for the garden, the animals and the trees God gives them for food. But sadly, someone drives a wedge between man and God. Satan, the tempter, comes and challenges the faith of the first woman, and then the man. And here the Bible brings us to the scene of the crime. A piece of fruit is taken from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and both the woman and the man sin by eating the fruit in open rebellion against God's spirit and his word. Now at first this act seems small, but we only have to look at its fallout to see that it wasn't. The pure relationship between God and humanity is broken, replaced by fear and shame, where all of a sudden these people who, made, who, who God made for a relationship with him are hiding from him. The garden is the scene of the crime, and God tells the people they must leave. However, before they leave, he graciously gives them clothes to wear, and a promise that one day someone will come who will crush the serpent, that's Satan, who prompted their act of rebellion. God the gardener seals the garden for its protection, but also for the protection of Adam and Eve. He doesn't want them to live their lives cursed forever, And he promises that through Eve, the giver of life, a saviour, a serpent crusher will come. And from this garden, the scene of the crime, the whole big story of the Bible flows. Adam and Eve have children and sadly they are more wicked and opposed to God's will for their lives than their parents. People become more and more proud and as you trace the story of the Old Testament, the distance between God and people grows and they care less and less about gardens and more about war, lust and created things than they do about their Creator. The Old Testament is littered with people trying to bridge the gap between earth and heaven, trying to force themselves back into Eden, to jump the walls back into the garden whilst trying to avoid the gardener at the same time. At one point, the people try to build a tower, the Tower of Babel, to invade heaven and make themselves greater than God. But in His grace, God confuses their languages to stop them from destroying themselves. The cycle of rebellion continues as nations rise and fall and human wickedness goes from bad to worse. Life outside the garden is hard, harrowing and painful. Like Adam and Eve... Everyone's life ends in sickness and in death, longing to be back in the garden where life was peaceful and death had never been invented. But through the story of the Bible, there are some who are blessed enough and humble enough and open enough to God's spirit to be given glimpses of God's rescue plan for his garden of creation. God is holy and just, but also relentlessly gracious. People are given another chance again and again. God is a patient gardener, waiting for the seasons to be right, ready for the soil to be ready, waiting for the right time to bring his chosen saviour into the world.
And then an angel visits a young woman called Mary and tells her that the Holy Spirit has planted a child in her womb who is that saviour. And the boy grows from a baby into a man. While he's rejected and scorned, he tells stories about God as sower, a farmer, a vineyard owner, a gardener, and about a kingdom that grows organically yet faithfully and wonderfully wherever the Spirit goes. While opposition grows against Jesus, support for him also grows, and a little community rises around him. True life and wholeness, like that found in Edom, seems to flourish wherever Jesus is. Then one night, Jesus has dinner with his disciples and tells them he's leaving them. In John 16:7, Jesus says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That same night, Jesus finds himself in a different type of garden. This garden isn't called Eden, which means delight or pleasure. It's Gethsemane, which means pressure, describing the pressure that brought out oil from the olives growing in the garden. But in this garden of pressure, Jesus, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, cries out to his Abba or Daddy, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. In this garden, the Father is silent, not close or on speaking terms like in Eden. God's plan is drastic, but Jesus has told his disciples that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come until he leaves. Jesus has a mission for his disciples, but he must die to to make a way back into God's garden. He must rise so that life for all can be made possible. He must leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. And die he does. The earth below his cross is soaked with blood and water, which flows from his side, and Jesus is laid in a garden tomb. We know the rest of the story. For three days, Mary, Jesus' mother, cries, and all hope seems lost. But on the third day, she and Mary Magdalene go down to the garden to embalm his body. To their amazement, the guards are gone, and the tombstone has been rolled away. Mary Magdalene assumes Jesus' body has been stolen, so she sits down and weeps. But then, a man asks her why she's crying. John 20 picks up the story. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Last week we remembered Jesus' ascension after 40 days of teaching and meeting with his disciples. But a good gardener never leaves their garden without to another without instructions. God knows we'll need help So Jesus again promises a helper, the Holy Spirit, who will come just at the right time. This brings us to today's focus, Pentecost. Pentecost was a harvest festival which took place 50 days after Passover. Jews from all over the world would gather and bring their first fruits from their farms and gardens and dedicate the rest of their harvest to the Lord. The people were still cursed, and while they came from many countries and language groups, they were all longing for a saviour to come, someone who would restore Eden and the peace found therein. A gardener who wouldn't just give them good harvest, 
a gardener who would teach them how to live. The disciples are cowering for fear of the authorities in a small room, but they are praying. Suddenly, what seems like tongues of fire appear over their heads and they shout the wonders of Jesus, what God had done among them. While some think they're drunk, the curse of Babel is reversed and suddenly the people in the temple courts gathering to pray to the Lord of the harvest can hear these unschooled Galileans speaking Latin, Parthian, Elamitanian, Phrygian and Libyan. Their heart languages are being spoken. The curse is being broken. And then Peter gets up to share much better news. Peter, the chicken who denied Jesus and fled from him in the Garden of Gethsemane, is declaring Jesus to be the one everyone is waiting for. The one to reverse the curse of Eden, the snake crusher, the gate back into God's garden. Friends, do you see the glory of Pentecost? The wonder of this day? Joy of joys, the people hear Peter's words and cry out, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter's response, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That day, the church of Jesus Christ grows exponentially, from 120 people to 3,120, as thousands repent, are baptized, and devote themselves to prayer, the apostles' teaching, and Christian living. God's garden is reborn, but not in one location. These Jews take the seeds of the good news of the gospel with them, planting seeds of faith around the world. The news travels so fast that when the Apostle Paul reaches Rome to tell people about Jesus, there are already believers there. God's garden grows out of Jerusalem and little gardens of Eden blossom up wherever the Spirit takes God's people. Awesome! But friends, sometimes we can come to Pentecost, see the decorations and people wearing red, hear the story of that day, but leave discouraged. We can hear of the exponential growth of the church on that day and be disheartened that in a town the size of ours, only a fraction is worshipping Jesus this Sunday. But when we see God as a gardener, tilling, cutting, pruning and watering, suddenly a new picture emerges. You and I right now are meeting in God's great garden club, God's one holy Catholic and apostolic church. God is growing his garden around you wherever you are. Think about it. If Jesus had stayed in one place, his disciples might have stuck around him and people might have tried to kill him again. But instead, Jesus ascended to his rightful place only to send down the Holy Spirit 10 days later to empower us for his guerrilla gardening project. Guerrilla gardening is when people in a community get together and turn public spaces into gardens. They take abandoned lots, roundabouts, or gaps in pavements, and plant gardens there. That's what God does in our world. He builds schools where there are children, hospitals where there are sick people, and crisis centers where there are people in need. But most of all, he builds churches where there are people who need hope and need to hear that Jesus has defeated sin and death. That's the Spirit of God which at the beginning of creation hovered over the waters, working among us today. God planted a garden on the banks of Mile Creek over 170 years ago. People meeting to pray, read the Bible, share the Lord's Supper, baptize and worship Jesus. 
Since then, God's church in Dolby was grow- has grown, but his work here isn't done. On Monday, we had a wonderful demonstration of what God is doing among us as Wonka House was moved to its new location. It was amazing to see a whole building picked up and shifted on a truck 15 metres. It was a joy to see, but a reminder that sometimes the work of a gardener is flashy and magnificent. Sometimes a flower blooms or a fruit ripens, but most of the time the work of a gardener is humble, persistent and gritty. Friends, the same spirit that descended at Pentecost is here right now living inside of us. That same spirit wants to empower you to garden, to build God's kingdom right here in Dolby. Friends, one day the militants of Palestine and the soldiers of Israel will beat their rockets into wheelbarrows and praise Jesus with the same tongue. One day the doctors will hang up their stethoscopes and tend sunflowers. One day Jesus will welcome us into his new Jerusalem, God's garden city, where the peace of Eden will meet with the joy of Easter morning and the new life of Pentecost. Today is a day where we celebrate the giving of God's spirit to all believers. May he empower us to be God's gardeners wherever we are. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.